Expert Insights is an ongoing medical education podcast. The Carl Division of Continuing Education designates that each episode of this enduring material is worth a maximum of 0.25 AMA PRA Category 1 credit. To collect credit, please click on the link and complete the episode's post-test. Another edition of our Integrated System podcast series, helping us to achieve world-class accessible care and to improve the health of the people we serve. This is Expert Insights. Here's Melanie Cole. Welcome. This is Expert Insights with the Carl Foundation Hospital. I'm Melanie Cole, and today we're discussing the CDC guidelines and new revisions on opioid prescriptions. Joining me is Dr. Elise Wessel. She's an addiction medicine physician with the Carl Foundation Hospital. Dr. Wessel, I'm so glad to have you join us today. First, let's talk about some statistics on opioid prescriptions and overdose deaths in Illinois. Tell us what you're seeing. What's been happening? Over 50% of people who use opioids are taken from a friend or relative. So the majority of people who initially use opioids start getting it from a family member or friend who have a prescription for opioids. As far as the overdose death rates in Illinois alone, 2017 data, they reached a high of 2,000 and 600 of those were from prescription opioids. And then, of course, the rest were from heroin or synthetic opioids, such as fentanyl. The majority of overdose deaths have to do with the rise of fentanyl in heroin supplies or people not knowing what they're getting or buying from the street, which has to do with the fentanyl supply in the nation. So previously, physicians were using that for pain management. And as you said, people got it from friends. And then maybe if they couldn't get it anymore, they turned to other substances. The CDC has some revised guidelines. Tell us a little bit about that and why they felt the necessity. Originally, the CDC put out guidelines for prescribing opioids for chronic non-cancer pain due to this trend of prescription opioids driving the opioid epidemic. The pendulum swung too far and physicians had been cutting off patients who were on chronic opioids, which in turn leads people to experience opioid withdrawal, which is not fully managed by the physician cutting off the opioids. In turn, they turn to street sources for opioids, whether that's seeking out opioid pills, which can be prescribed or counterfeit, or even heroin to to relieve their suffering from their pain or from opioid withdrawal. Therefore, the CDC put out another set of guidelines to kind of curb this behavior or this response to the opioid crisis and physicians or providers cutting people off of their opioids. So they do have a recommendation that states physicians should avoid increasing opioid pain medications to greater than 90 morphine milliequivalents per day. That doesn't mean that if a patient is on greater than that, that they should be cut off or their prescription should be lowered to meet that morphine mill equivalent. It means that they should consider other alternative pain modalities as well as seeing if their opioid prescription is effective. We know that high opioid 
morphine milliequivalents can cause opioid hyperalgesia and that lowering the dose can actually improve pain. So for other providers, and they hear this term stewardship, tell us about what that really means. And you mentioned multimodal approach, maybe using other things either in addition to or instead of or adjuvant therapies, anti-inflammatory steroids, any of these things that can also help. Tell us what stewardship really looks like. So the multimodal pain management includes non-opioid therapies, including NSAIDs, acetaminophen, injections, topicals, but it also includes a biopsychosocial assessment. It is known that people with a high ACE score or adverse childhood experience score or high pain catastrophizing score have higher rates of pain and low tolerance for discomfort, you need to take into account the entire patient picture, not just their pain and how to manage their pain, which why the psychosocial evaluation is very important. If a patient is being weaned off opioids, there needs to be psychosocial and behavioral support. That could be counseling, it could be assessing for comorbid depression, anxiety, and treating that as well. And then it also means not cutting off opioids from a patient, which will likely lead to worse outcomes than a patient who is getting a higher dose of opioid pain medications and are at risk for respiratory depression and overdose. But if they're cut off, then these people are in a lot of distress and feel like they have no place else to look but the street. It is within the physician's scope of practice to manage pain, but to do that responsibly. So you're an addiction medicine specialist. Tell us a little bit about the opioid use disorder treatment and Dr. Wessel access to treatment because access to naloxone is somewhat limited in some communities. There are FDA approved forms, Narcan availability, harm reduction practices. Tell us a little bit about the treatment availability and access to that type of treatment. Nationally, treatment access is a problem. So there's not enough people who treat addiction and it doesn't just come from addiction specialists. Primary care providers can treat addiction. Um, There are psychiatric providers who treat addiction, but Because the opioid epidemic was caused by all physicians, all physicians need to take responsibility to now help reverse this opioid epidemic. It can't just fall on addiction specialists because the need is much greater than there are addiction specialists out there. So one, anybody with opioid use disorder, opioid addiction, or who are prescribed chronic opioids need to have a prescription for Narcan. People's families members should have a prescription for Narcan. Narcan is covered by insurance and pharmacies carry that everywhere. And Narcan, again, is the reversal agent of opioid overdose or respiratory depression. So it is within reason to prescribe any patient with prescription for opioids or with an opioid addiction to have Narcan. So as far as medication-assisted treatment for opioid use disorder or opioid addiction, there are three available FDA-approved treatments. 
methadone maintenance, which can only be provided through federally qualified opioid treatment programs. So those are your methadone clinics, and those are limited around the central Illinois area. There's another medication called naltrexone or extended release naltrexone, which is Vivitrol, which is an opioid antagonist, which is given once a month. And then there's buprenorphine, brand name Suboxone, which is better known by, which is a partial opioid agonist. And far and wide, we use Suboxone and Vivitrol. So Vivitrol does not require any special training or DEA licenses. Vivitrol can be given at any primary care clinic. Buprenorphine or Suboxone does require eight-hour training for physicians and then 24 hours training for nurse practitioners or physician assistants. And so that training can be done by anybody again. So it's not just limited to addiction specialists. So we know that medication-assisted treatment works. Um, It reduces overdose death rates and increases abstinence and sobriety from opioids. So there's many, many articles about it and how it is the gold standard for treating opioid addiction. One thing I would like to mention is that people think that treating opioid addiction with methadone maintenance or Suboxone is treating one addiction for another. That is not the case. So people who are addicted to opioids or heroin, they spend all their time and energy seeking out the product, whether that's heroin or prescription opioids, and then to be able to function because they want to prevent withdrawal. Opioid withdrawal is a very negatively reinforcing influence on a person's behavior. So they will do anything they can not to feel opioid withdrawal. So over time, an opioid addicted person doesn't even get the euphoric effect of the opioid. They just want to feel normal and not feel sick. You are prescribing Suboxone for this patient. They are getting a FDA-approved medication. They are getting their withdrawal treated. They also don't have the risk of opioid withdrawal because buprenorphine has a ceiling effect on respiratory depression. So no matter how much a person takes a buprenorphine, they won't go into respiratory depression unless it's combined with other sedating medications like alcohol, benzodiazepines, or gabapentin, for example. So if a patient is in treatment with medication-assisted treatment, they are getting their medication daily. They aren't going around seeking ways to get money to purchase their opioid, and they're able to be a functional human being again. So it's really remarkable what medication-assisted treatment can do for a patient's life, and that's why I do what I do, because not only do they get better, but their lives get better than they have ever been before. So that is a belief, so trading one addiction for another, that is held by people who really don't understand what medication-assisted treatment is all about or what addiction is all about. So I just wanted to make that known. Now, we do, in our practice, meet people where they're at, whether that means abstinence only or decreasing use or 
like we talked about, harm reduction. So harm reduction entails having people use drugs in the safest way possible, for lack of better terms. That means access to clean needles and needle exchange service, education on infectious diseases like hep C and HIV and how those are transferred and how to decrease their risk. So if you don't educate people who continue to use on these harm reduction practices, they will show up in the hospital with chronic infectious diseases like hep C or HIV, abscesses, endocarditis, which can result in major healthcare costs and hospital admissions. And so while, yes, we want them to engage in addiction treatment, this is the next best thing. Well, thank you for making sure to clear that up because that is a widely held misconception. As we wrap up, Dr. Wessel, do you feel, in your opinion, that these medication-assisted treatments should be more widely available as an important public health advancement? You know, you've mentioned a few of the barriers to getting this type of medication and some myths. Wrap it up for us with what you want to see happening and what you see happening and how it all will come together. Yes. So one of the largest used models for treatment for addiction is the hub and spoke model. So the hub is the addiction centers like Carl Addiction Recovery Center. The spokes are primary care clinics or psychiatric clinics, for example. So we, one, the addiction treatment centers would always be available for help with treatment management, what to do in certain situations, and the people being managed for addiction are going to their primary care providers for it. So that will, one, overall decrease the burden of addiction in rural areas where there's no other access to addiction treatment besides their primary care providers. And yes, addiction medicine hasn't always been taught in medical schools. And so there's this lack of understanding and fear about how to treat addiction within a lot of primary care centers. But really, it's as easy as prescribing a medication and treating it as a chronic disease because it is. But knowing that you have addiction specialists to call on if you feel like something is beyond your comfort level or scope of practice. So ideally, addiction treatment would be available at all primary care centers. Thank you so much for joining us and sharing your expertise on this really important topic for other providers, Dr. Wessel. And that concludes this episode of Expert Insights with the Carl Foundation Hospital. For a listing of Carl providers and to view Carl-sponsored educational activities, please visit our website at carlconnect.com for more information and to get connected with one of our providers. We hope the information gained will be applicable to your work and life. If you found this podcast informative, please share on your social media and be sure to check out all the other interesting podcasts in our library. I'm Melanie Cole.